You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In this studio with me today is Evan McNulty, software test pilot at the Omni Group. Say hello, Evan. Hello, Evan. So we're going to start off with some listener questions. I asked people, I said, hey, I'm going to have Evan on. And they said, hey, no way. Why? And I said, because. I said, do you have any questions? And uh, Rose Orchard, this is one of three, asks, which day, Evan, is your favorite day of the week for lunch? I gave her an answer already Mm -hmm. a couple days ago, maybe. Uh, But my answer, I wasn't really pleased with it. It was not Wednesdays. Okay. A lot of people say that they love the breakfast for lunch thing that oh, ha- sure, often yeah. happens on Wednesdays. Right. It's fine. It's crowd pleaser. Yeah. But me, it's any day where there are pickled jalapenos in the salad bar. Oh my, oh my. Yeah. Now yesterday was hot dog bar. That's right. And it had pickled jalapenos in the salad that was, bar. That was a great day. It really was. Uh, yeah. You actually, you saw my I did, uh, yeah. prepared yeah, hot dog. Right in front Plenty of, of pickled jalapenos on that. I was inspired. I did pickled jalapenos. I also added bacon. Jalapeno mustard, Cholula relish. So mine was piled, but not as high as yours. You, you yeah, really. But it was just the one ingredient. So, uh, <laughs> it was just all pickled jalapenos. Yeah. I might have gotten away with just a bun with pickled jalapenos. It's that much of a thing. Mm. Mm. Mustard or anything? Uh, there were onions in, in the one. Onion, yeah. All right. Well, Josh Hughes asks to hear about maybe the weirdest or funniest bug you've ever encountered. Oh, yeah. So is fun because i tend to kind of internalize patterns but not remember particular bugs so i went back and looked i was fed this question earlier today so that i had some prep time it was <laughs> really nice giving away all of our secrets yeah. oh, and no. <laughs> i thought maybe i'd look at my first year here the first full year was uh it was 2015 and i thought okay i'll look at the omnigraffle project because that's where i spent most of my time mm. at that point and i found it there was a bug where I was able to make OmniGraffle animate Pac-Man's mouth open and closing through the bug. Hmm. So what happened was we were working on canvases and if you undid something that was a shape changing in some way, okay. it would cause the canvas to shift to the side. Hmm. So the contents of the thing you were looking at would just move a little bit to the side. Mm-hmm. And so I made a yellow circle with an eye. Pac-Man is in profile, right? Yeah, so it would in be profile. One eye. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, at least I assume that's a profile and switched it to a yellow wedge shape. So it had a, it had a wedge missing for the mm-hmm. mouth and then undid that. And sure enough, Graffle just started, uh, boy, you can't see this, started <laughs> opening and closing the mouth of Pac-Man endlessly until it crashed after, I don't know. Nice. A couple minutes. I really liked that one. Yeah. I feel like but- any bug where you can turn a diagramming slash graphics tool into computer animation software. That's, yeah. That's surprise Pac-Man. Yeah. yeah. Surprise Pac-Man. Yeah. Look out ghosts. This one <laughs> has eaten cherries or whatever. No, I don't remember. Uh, Sorry, Pac-Man. I don't remember. Power pellets. power pellets. Power pellets. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. How about that? That's really weird stuff. Nailed it. <laughs> Ryan Dodson asks, and this may be kind of, one of those mysteries of existence that philosophers argue about endlessly. Is Jim Korea right or wrong? 
Uh, Jim Correa's right. Oh, okay. I was going to take a sip of water and relax for half an hour as you expounded. There's that's no, it. No, Jim Correa's right. I don't think any other answer would be acceptable to Jim. Oh, that's true. He's not in to, charge of me, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing some calculus here, and I think, I think that was the, the correct answer. Yeah, he's yes. in the building. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Is that the sound you make when you realize Jim's nearby? Is that what that was? <laughs> so you're a software test pilot. Um, what does that mean? What do you test? OmniFocus mainly? So I'm nominally on the OmniFocus team, and there is soon to be, there is now more than one offering there. There are the Mac and iOS apps. Yep. Uh, there's also OmniFocus for the web, Yay. which is what I've spent most of my time on since, well, sometime last year anyway. Okay. And uh, there's also associated services supporting both of those apps. There's the sync server and an account system for signing up and dealing with all the mm -hmm. stuff for OmniFocus for the web access. So um, if you've been mostly testing OmniFocus for the web lately, how do you do that? Are you just in front of a browser all day clicking around mm -hmm. at stuff? Or what? What, are, what are the aspects of that? So I think there's two pieces. There's, well, there's more than two, but there are two okay. that I spent most of my time on. All right. The first is, yeah, exploratory testing in a browser. And that's mainly in, I guess, to us, the big four on the Mac. That's Safari, Chrome, Firefox. On uh, Windows, it's Chrome, Firefox, and Edge. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the idea there is I have VMware on my, on my system. And we also have, at times, had tried things on a Windows machine as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, poking around, mostly in areas that have changed recently. Mm -hmm. Trying out things that... I know people would want to do because I do them in OmniFocus or right. that I've over the last couple of years learned that people want to be able to do or we've changed how something works. Okay. Yeah. I got to learn about how browsers deal with locale settings, stuff like that. That was oh, a lot of fun. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. And I suppose different font settings and stuff too oh, yeah. can interrupt layout and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that font thing is, is one of the reasons I've also tried some Linux distributions. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really have to do that. But it was nice to say, oh, uh, here's what Ubuntu ships with and mm. Firefox there. What does it look like? Right. Okay. What of our fallbacks in our CSS does it end up using and how does that look and mm -hmm. how does that work when I'm using the app? Uh, cool. In addition to the exploratory testing, there's also a lot of API testing, especially around the in-app purchases and subscribing to OmniFocus for the web. Mm -hmm. And for that, I started off with using curl commands at the command line. Posting okay. to a certain web address, some data structured as JSON in this case, and seeing what response I get, comparing that to what we want, or trying to cause errors or whatever. Mm. Passing bad data around. So yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And comparing it to the same call, but in the iOS app. Mm -hmm. So I want to set up a new account. I want to check whether an email address has already been signed up. Right. I do that in the iOS app. I do it via curl. I say, what happened in each place? Do I get an error that makes sense in both? Are they different? file bugs, that kind of thing. Once I built up enough of these, I decided that it would be good to have a library of this stuff. So uh, you would call this uh, integration testing or what? what's the overall name yeah. for this kind of yeah, where that's you're right. testing the APIs? Yeah, yeah the APIs, uh, well, the whole thing end to end, I suppose. Like mm -hmm. first testing the system separately, right? Making sure that it's doing what we want, both mm -hmm. the API and the app, and then hooking them up and testing the whole thing, all the widgets put together. Okay. And uh, so... Paw, you mentioned, is one of your tools. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, how, how does... 
What uh, is Pawn? How does that work? Yeah, so it's API testing software. It's native to the Mac. Mm-hmm. I think it's well-written. It's useful. I can set up different environments, one set of credentials, environment variables for a test instance of things, one for production. A former Omni engineer named Jake Carter created a project in that app for Stenciltown integration for OmniGraffle, and I ended up using it a lot when I was testing his work. Oh, okay. So you've used Paw before. Yeah, it's, it useful. yeah. it's really useful in segmenting problems. This mm-hmm. is something that logging does help with sometimes, but is the problem with the response we're getting back from the server or is the problem in the native app Right, is a, is a problem that can be pretty easy to answer with a tool like this. Mm-hmm. And so it turned out that uh, someone else here who was working on the account stuff also knows about this app, Troy, and he, mm. he had already started a project for Omni accounts in PAW. And so I took it and added things to it as needed and cool. have distributed it to other people to use. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great piece of software. You know, I don't think I ever heard of it, but it sounds awesome. Yeah. I can definitely see how that'd be useful. Yeah, yeah that is one of the, Toughest things to debug when you have multiple components and you're trying to figure out, well, where's the problem? And, yeah. Uh, to be able to look at the traffic and understand things, that's huge. So did, did PAW help with testing in-app purchases and subscriptions? Because we're adding stuff oh, for the OmniFocus subscription and mm-hmm. the OmniFocus for the web add-on subscription. And some of this is going in our native apps, I think. Yeah, it helped a little bit, but for the most part, that's done by the testers here. We're mm-hmm. fortunate to have a sandbox app store environment that we can use. Now, is that Apple provided? It is. Okay. And the idea there is that for subscriptions, you can create a user that has essentially never had any subscription before. Okay. And you can go through a subscription signup process, either monthly or annually. And it operates at an accelerated rate. I don't get to decide what that is. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just set in stone. It's something like uh, five minutes is a month and an hour oh, is, a, okay. is a year. Well, that's cool because otherwise you're waiting a month or a year. To, that's right. Yeah, we, would, right. we would have to spend decades on a release right. like this. Right, because the first year you're just waiting and then you find the bugs and then yeah. you fix them. Hope they're fixed year two. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. so I think that would, that would about year good. <laughs> eight we could send it out in a test flight or something. And, mm-hmm. and so I appreciate that that system exists mm-hmm. uh, because it's – really the only means we would have to test a system like in-app purchases of subscriptions before launching. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that I'm really happy that I'm not personally working on the in-app purchasing or subscriptions because I'm betting there's a whole lot of state combined with asynchronous calls to Apple's stuff and our stuff. And yeah. that just sounds like a ton to keep track of. I mean, even when you're testing, you need to know what needs to follow from a given state. And you have a whole lot of different states to set up, too. Um, Yeah, that's true. There's a couple things that we've done to deal with that. One of them is (laughs) rather often there are diagrams being drawn on whiteboards around the office, especially the engineering area. Mm, Also mm -hmm. test of how systems work together, what state we think we're in, how we think we got there, that kind of thing. Lots of timelines of in-app purchases and renewals and so on. Right. In addition, though, yeah, there are, because we have different environments as well, we have the sandbox versus the app store. We have a test server versus our final account server, mm-hmm. all that. In the app, what our practice tends to be is we will ask engineers to set up a preference. We can use a URL to set that preference and say, point at this server, don't point at that one. Oh, like a URL uh, scheme, OmniFocus. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Something. Okay. And then uh, use a shorter expiration for this other thing, all that. Mm-hmm. to match the App Store sandbox dates. And sometimes when we get into a situation like this where we have a lot of stuff to, to ask for and we've done it over and over, 
we will say, hey, how about you give us one switch for all of that? And so in this case, that's what we did is we said, hey, can you oh, please okay. give us a little accounts testing flag? Mm-hmm. We'll just set that and uh, be good to go. Saves us a lot of time. Saves us trying to guess what state we're in. Right. Sure. Okay. Start from a known state. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And there's still some guessing. They're still jumping through hoops. We definitely also have a practice of saving in a password manager all of our different app store accounts, which are in different states. Mm-hmm. So okay. I have maybe 40 or 50 sandbox accounts at this point. Wow. Many of which have different states. Like one owns OmniFocus Professional and has also subscribed and has a lapsed subscription to an annual, you know. Mm-hmm. Another one never owned OmniFocus and so on. And there are all these permutations that are possible. Right. Phew. It's a lot of work. Yeah. It's taken us a good deal of time, but it's yeah. enjoyable. And we found real problems and been able to fix them. Mm-hmm. So it's valuable. I have heard occasionally that this kind of testing by humans is in some quarters denigrated, or at least said, you know, not really needed these days. Mm. I think we've proved over and over again that it is super valuable. Yeah. It's interesting. Now we have, especially in the web, some very light automated checks that are mm-hmm. possible. It was a good opportunity for me to try that out. Right. Actually, um, because it seemed like it would be perhaps a good application for it. We're able to do some load testing with it, some stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe check whether it's after we roll out a new version of something, have it automatically check that one can still log in so that a user, an actual customer is not the first person to find out that it's broken or something. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, yeah, I think the thing is when we're creating automated quote unquote tests, right? Checks that are automated. It's really easy to forget to creatively think about what you're trying to do with an application mm-hmm. and end up with sort of, uh, I'm going to call it like fancy unit tests that are hooked together. Right. Sure. Again, they have value, but there are a huge number of issues that would take so long to write the tests for mm-hmm. that reproducing the issue once in person was, sure. was the way to do it. And yeah, and it seems like it's easier to automate small components, testing small components, but how everything all works together and then being creative about all the different ways things could Fail. That's that's a whole other story. Yeah. yeah. So I've picked up that you are also um, in charge of the OmniFocus crash reporting stuff. So now I hope our listeners don't take it as some terrible admission that yes, we have crashes occasionally. I mean, you know, it's true of Apple and every other software developer in the world that there are crashes. So we take that extremely seriously. So what do we do with crashes? Well, we have a little piece of software that will prompt someone, ask them if they'd like to send us an email after they've gotten a crash. Mm -hmm. And if they choose to, they can also add details about what happened. And then that gets sent to a particular email address that corresponds to the product that they were using. And the subject line is automatically filled in with things like the name of the app and the version of of the app that was being used. Then for OmniFocus, I see it. Every day I'll come in and I'll open up my laptop and open up the OmniFocus iOS and OmniFocus Mac queues in a piece of software called OmniCrashCatcher. That is a, an in-house app. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it loads up these tickets with their... Is it OmniCrashCatcher or Sorter? Oh, Sorter, sorry. Sorter. OmniCrash Sorter. Yeah, right. that's right. CrashCatcher is the... Uh, that's the piece send inside. In piece. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, OmniCrash Sorter. OCS. OCS. And... Do people ever just call it Crash Sorter? Oh, yes. I've noticed that. And... Uh, our listeners might be surprised to know that we often just drop the Omni because that's implied because we're here. Yeah. It's like if you're in Denver, you just get an omelet, right? So here we talk often about focus or plan or whatever. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but I definitely say Omni crash sorter every time, even though I'll say graffle or focus. Mm. Huh. I, oh, because of all the other crash sorters? Maybe. No. 
don't yeah, know. I have several. Yeah. No, I don't. I just <laughs> lied to you. I don't know why. So every morning uh, I'll open it up. And because there's not a huge amount, but enough to decode that it'll take a little time. I'll open them up, go make some tea or something, say hello mm-hmm. to people and then come back and get started. And, and the deal there is we've got these files, these little Q files, and they have a set of rules in them that have been found to match different crashes. And the way that that works is we look at a crash, we decode it to match up the addresses in it to our pieces of code. Okay. And, uh, so you can actually see like what was going on. Exactly. Right. And we say, Oh, okay. It looks like there are several crashes that have a pattern of this particular sequence of things happening. Mm -hmm. And so we'll use rules to classify them together and associate them with a bug. Okay. That we filed. We'll also include information that the user sent in, which is very useful because mm-hmm. while it, it can be useful to know what code was was in memory at the time, right? It is oftentimes much more efficient to fix a crash by being able to reproduce the issue yourself. Just do what the user did. Yep. Like, yep, there it is. Yeah. And so trying to sleuth out, look for patterns, mm-hmm. uh, try to figure out what was going on, either from the code or from the user reports or both. Occasionally something will come in and I have just no idea what is going on. What does this code mean? I'll go try to look it up. It's some obscure Apple thing, obscure to me at least, Apple mm-hmm. thing. In which case, I'll send a crash to an engineer and say, hey, you know, please lend me your experience. But that's it. And then uh, they'll be filed and we will know how many people are being affected, what software they're using, and pretty often how to fix it mm. through that process. And so uh, you keep the rules in our uh, version control and everything, so... Other engineers or whatever can look at the same thing that you're seeing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, I mean, there are a couple of benefits there. One, one is that they can see it. The other mm-hmm. is it's easier for other people to collaborate. Cool. Boy, I hate crashes, but I love fixing crashing bugs. Right? We've done job a anymore, though. huge <laughs> amount of crash fixes recently. This mm-hmm. The next release of OmniFocus, people are excited about a lot of different things with getting it out, you know, supporting OmniFocus for the web's sure. release, all this other stuff. People have done just huge amounts of work. But for me, mm-hmm. I look at the crashes that people are reporting and see that, oh, this is the one, this is one of the ones that we've already fixed. There's so many people that are going to not have issues anymore or not have these issues anymore. Yeah, it's, right. it's, I'm really excited. Yeah, that's cool. So how'd you come to Omni? Is it Craigslist? It's always Craigslist. It's, I've heard that. Yeah. I mean. But it was not for me. Not Craigslist. No. Craigslist, right. it turns out, is not for me in general. Okay. I don't know what it is. I've looked at Craigslist before, but never mm-hmm. bought anything, never found a job there, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Did you use Omni apps when, like, before you ever even came here? Yes, I did. Actually, to back it up just slightly more, I mm-hmm. had access to a Mac for a very long time. I had an SE30 oh, yeah. uh, in, in the home. It was nominally mm-hmm. my mom's because she was a, an associate dean at Stanford okay. in the 90s. And then we got a Power Mac uh, 6100 when those were new. Oh, yeah. And then finally an iMac in uh, 99 or so. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I believe on that iMac, uh, perhaps on the next computer after that, I don't recall which, there were bundled copies of either or of OmniGraffle and OmniOutliner. Now, my memory tells me it was both, actually. They were yeah. bundled with Macs for a while, along with Comic Life. Oh, yeah, that's maybe right. one or two other things. Comic Life was pretty awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. All that software really impressed me. It stuck with me. I know mm-hmm. that by the time Twitter, I must have signed up for that in about 2007. And by then, I believe that Ken and Tim Wood were on there and, mm-hmm. and you. And so I received those as you all as suggested follows. And so hmm. 
over the years followed you folks, kept up with what you were each doing and uh, probably other people here too. Sure. But independent from that, ended up up in Seattle. Hmm. So I ended up here because I had health issues, anxiety issues, stuff like that. I ended up not working hmm. and had an opportunity to, to live rent-free up here nice. through a family connection while the housing market downturn occurred in 2009 or so. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, so I lived up here for maybe eight or nine months and found work and became established and missed my friends. But hmm. it was nice to be able to be doing something right? and decided, hey, I'm doing these things. But I'm being told a lot at places that I interview that it sure would be nice if I had more of an educational background in uh, computer systems. And mm. so being that I wanted to be more well-rounded anyway, I decided to, uh, to look into going back to school. Okay. Where'd Ended you go? At Seattle Pacific University, mm-hmm. which is a place really close by. Yeah. And, Often just uh, called SPU. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And went there for an uh, information systems degree, which okay. is at that school, it's computer science with a smattering of communications and business classes. Hmm. All right. And during my last year there, I was doing an internship. I got a paid internship at a place called Ballard Technology. They used to be in Ballard. They are now up in Everett hmm. uh, doing avionics data buses. This is the stuff that... Some of the airplanes. Oh, yeah. You, All right. Uh, work communication on the, on the communication lines on the plane itself okay. between systems. It was interesting in some ways, but I decided that that was not what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. and started looking for other work as the internship time ran down. Okay. I did not, as I mentioned, I did not look at Craigslist. I was aware of a few companies I wanted to kind of look at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was aware of Black Pixel. Oh, sure. I was aware of a company that I believe at the time was called Ubermind, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure what has yeah, happened I'm- with them since then. I kind of lost the, the thread there. Yeah. And uh, also the Omni Group. Okay. Now, I had previously had one software testing job at a company called PGP Corporation, makers of uh, encryption, encryption software. That's mm-hmm. right. And I was their Mac tester back in cool. the day. And I knew that I would enjoy doing that again. Mm-hmm. So I went to Omni's job site and I saw a posting for a uh, Mac software test pilot. My or goodness. A, rather, a software test pilot. We were calling to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. So mm-hmm. I sent in application, came in for interviews, and well, less than six months later anyway, I was. Starting up here. Oh, that's I nice. I just, just graduated. And, and you started, I think, just after me, maybe? So yeah, heading Jan- toward five years ago. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. It's been maybe four and... It's getting close to four and a half years. Anyway. Yeah, okay. So you're not from Seattle. Sounds like you came from... Well, if your mom was at Stanford, sounds like the Bay Area. That's right. I grew up in San Jose and Palo Alto, California. And I now get to visit often. Mm-hmm. To see friends there and all that. That's cool. Yeah, it's not far. Mm-mm. Go down for WWDC? I did mm-hmm. last year. That was really fun. It was my first time. I'd been to a Macworld, but that was a very different thing. Oh, sure. When it's all just us developers, it's kind of a... And I actually, well, you know this, but maybe no one else does. Mm. Got to hang out with you oh. a little bit. And uh, I vaguely remember something like that. You're a good hang, Brent. The Fairmont uh, Hotel Lobby. That's bar. right. Yeah. It was right. a good, good place to kind of... Uh, mm-hmm. Get together, talk about what was next, talk about things we'd seen that day, mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and I like it there. I feel like Seattle is very similar to the Bay Area in, sure. in many ways that are positive. One way in which I wish Seattle were more like the Bay Area is the Bay Area has better tacos. Mm, yeah. 
or at least tacos I like more. Sure. The farther south you go, the happier I am. I love tacos in general. Okay. My sister and mom live in Southern California. And Are those the best? They're, they're certainly the best I've had. Yeah, okay. Same My experience with tacos, I grew up on the East Coast, so it was that there was some brand that made like a taco kit. You get shells oh. and like hot sauce. There was no other Mexican food of any kind, but I love those tacos. And to this day, you could probably still buy it, and I would probably eat one and say, this is the best taco in the world. It's surely not by objective standards, sure. but it's what I grew up with. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's why uh, I just happened to have grown up with taco truck kind of tacos. Yeah, uh, sure. And or street tacos. So I feel like those are my jam. Mm -hmm. But I will admit that on occasion, I will want a Taco Bell crunchy taco. Oh, yeah. What do you think of taco time? Okay. I used to call them healthy Taco Bell. <laughs> All right. But that's not even correct. Yeah. I don't, I don't know have much healthy. of a thought about them. Mm. Uh, I like that they have crushed ice in a drink. Kind of a weird fact. But instead of I like uh, realized, yeah. instead of cubes, they have a little, yeah, it's mm. that crushed type ice. That, okay. Yeah, I don't have much of an opinion on Taco Time, it turns out. Oh, all right. I can tell you it's not Taco Time right now. No, no, it's, well, it could be. You know, Caitlin, We actually, could just pause this and go get tacos. There's a I really nice taco who, place like a block away from here. You are here. absolutely right. We could do that. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll be right back. All right. Do you know, we're in the same shirt. I'm a big fan of this shirt. The Omni shirt. That's right. When Caitlin made that shirt or designed that shirt, I was very excited. I got to, uh, and I got a question this very morning at physical therapy about it. Someone asked, hey, does that hold any special meaning for you? Mm -hmm. And I told them, not really. I just like the way it looks. <laughs> and, you know, I used, uh, it's an Omni shirt with uh, a rainbow of floppy disks across the front. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have sentimentality, right? For, uh for the bygone era of floppy disks, but uh, it did prompt a very short story. People were saying, oh yeah, remember floppy disks? All the, all the people in the, in the room, you know, mm -hmm. sort of just remembering about how they used to be there. Well, last year I was at a Staples, and they have an aisle, at least they did last year, where they sell floppy disks, uh, thermal printer paper, all kinds of stuff. Wow. Supplies for things that, uh, you know, need to be able to be used, but uh -huh. you don't, but most people think are just gone. I remember when floppy disks were actually floppy. Oh, the man. Five and a quarter ones, the, you know, the bigger ones. Go like this, and they would flop. Yeah. Apple Apple 2GS or something was uh, a thing I used that used those. Okay, yeah. See, now, unlike you, or uh, maybe you, pro you probably enjoyed your time with it, things like that as well, but I only played games with that kind of thing. Oh, I played, I played some, a lot of games on my Apple II. There was, a, there was a, the Mario Brothers game where it was just one screen. You didn't really go anywhere. You just kind of jumped over turtle shells and, <laughs> I don't know, an Oregon Trail. I think those were the... I played a lot of Choplifter. Oh, yeah. Um, other things, yeah. And then tried to write my own version of Missile Command in a <laughs> 6502 assembler. I never got it done. No, but, but you... Uh, I tried. Now, I think Chris Parrish has the exact same story, only he actually completed his game. And now he's a <laughs> graphics programmer at Photoshop, and I'm not. <laughs> what do you think you're going to get? So they've got the uh, house taco, the tacos chukis, named after the, the place, with nopal, that, cact that grilled cactus. Some might see that as not traditional, but... Let's do it. All right. Anyone else going to get a taco? I'm going to get one with carne asada. There we go. 
can I can I buy your tacos? Your taco right. and your beer. All right, Mark, can I get can you some? Can I buy your tacos? Yeah. All right. That's kind of a weird. <laughs> you know what? Let's maybe we should buy our own tacos. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Can I get uh, one of the tacos, chookies, and uh, the squirt? Thanks. So what do you have? We've got your tacos right. here. So yeah, we've got some grilled cactus. We've got uh, some cheese. That's the, the thing that makes this the chookies is the salsa, the cheese, the pineapple, and the guac. It's their take on it, you know? Otherwise, it wouldn't have the, the cheese. Maybe I should take a photograph of this just to prove that we... We're not actually sitting in the studio pretending that we're having tacos. Piping this music in. Yeah, right. Because Mark's magic. Anything's possible. Yeah, Mark, could you could you recreate this scene? I, I don't know if I'm that magic. Oh, okay. All right. Wow, this is a... this is, Even for their, them, this is a huge chunk of pineapple. Sadly, they're not crunchy tacos, so they don't make very much sound. Oh, thank oh, you man, so much. Thanks. All right. All right. Look at this taco. It's just drooling everywhere. Yeah. Am I doing this wrong? How do I how do I hold this so that it doesn't drool? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> You're doing it right. It's gonna drip. Oh, it's so good. Also, it's a beautiful day. This yeah, is the right is, kind yeah. of day. Like, there's no wrong day to have tacos, but no, this is a perfect. Day. This is a perfect day for it. Sun's out. Guns out. If there's a transcription of this, it should read when Mark said "guns out." That I just kind of looked off into the distance <laughs> and, he, and he didn't respond to what he was. Same. Just looking at the cherry trees across the street. Yeah. Yep. Chris, what was your favorite part of our walk? The baby burritos. Uh, my favorite part was the good company that I had with me. I thought that when I left the recording, I was just kind of being a maverick, off doing my own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get tacos. I don't care what they do. But it turns out, everything's better with friends. At least we learned a lesson today. That's right. We, we learned to give a care. <laughs> I care. Now. Evan cares. Everyone, well, uh, We can probably wrap up the podcast in a few more minutes, so... Oh, yeah. We'll head back to the studio and get this thing done, huh? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Alright. Thanks, Brent. Alright, let's do this. Alright, back to the show. What do you think? Well... Answer a few more questions? Sure. Oh, you've had a couple tacos. I'm ready for anything. Pineapple in the tummy. (laughs) Right? All right. On the subject of food, I couldn't help but notice that um, you were a much, much larger person than you are now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. For a second, I was trying to... What is Brent talking about? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Obviously, this smoothest segue in the history of (laughs) podcasting right there. Yeah, that's true. Let's just start with the facts. You've lost how many pounds? Let's see. Now... 235. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I feel good about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, as I'm told I should. And that, I, well, I would yeah. have without people telling me because yeah, right. that's what I've been paying attention to is, uh, is basically how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to so, say that that really started after I went back to school and all that. Mm-hmm. I was dealing with the anxiety stuff I mentioned. I went back to school and therapy, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like over time I was able to do a little bit more every every day, every week, every year. A little bit more physically and mentally, yeah, or emotionally, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Being able to live a larger life than just feeling like I wanted to stay at home, mm-hmm. okay, uh, that kind of thing. And a part of that was wanting to be healthier, right? Right. Live a to feel good every day mm-hmm. if I could. 
Yeah. And so I went to my doctor one day and I said, Hey, I'm managing type two diabetes. I have anxiety, but I think I can do a little bit more. Can we talk about me maybe working on losing weight? Mm -hmm. And my doctor said, sure. And, and had a suggestion. He knew that I had past experience with lots of kind of trying to eat certain ways, diets, all this kind of stuff. I've been through a lot. Had you done things like Weight Watchers or? Uh, yeah, programs? I actually had. I, I did Weight Watchers and uh, even Nutrisystem, where they send you everything that you're going to eat. Basically, okay. There's a little bit of supplementation, but but that's basically the case. Mm-hmm. Nothing was really effective. I was just kind of doing what people told me to do, going through the motions, maybe not realizing what I was actually eating or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he made an interesting suggestion. Knowing that he said, "Well, why don't you just?" Write down what you eat, or at least how you feel after you've been eating a little bit less, and try that for a while, and just get back to me. And so I did. I was used to practicing mindfulness from dealing with anxiety. I was used to meditating, all that kind of stuff. This is a little bit different. So what is practicing mindfulness? Not a thing I've Uh, done. Well, so I'd say there's a lot to it that I still do not feel I am a master of and therefore can't explain, but Mm. I do feel like it's about... Being able to live in a moment, being able to notice feelings and acknowledge them without being controlled by them. Okay. Noticing how I am reacting to things without judgment. Mm -hmm. And it takes consistent practice for me. Okay. I am predisposed towards worrying about whether someone is thinking badly of me, for Mm -hmm. example, or that nice things are not for me. Mm. Like, oh, those people are going to a bar to hang out after work. That's right. a thing for them to do. I'm going to go home by myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying this stuff out. I'm noticing how it feels. And I say, hey, I want to, to other people at Omni who have opinions about apps. People try things all the time. Pretty into software, right? Makes mm-hmm. sense. Sure. Yeah. And I asked, hey, uh, I want to track what I'm eating. Do you have any recommendations? Someone recommended lose it. L-O-S-E-I-T exclamation point. Okay. iOS app? It's an iOS app. And it's subscription-based, although they have a free tier that I found to be plenty for what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I have since uh, done a lifetime subscription because I've found it so valuable to me. Cool. But the idea there is I just started tracking what I ate and comparing that to how I felt at the end of a day, at the end of Mm -hmm. a week, whatever, after a certain type of meal. Okay. And came back to the doctor and said, hey, what now? Like, I Mm -hmm. feel pretty good about this. I'm noticing that if I eat less of this thing, I feel better, whatever. Right. He said, okay, why don't you try eating a certain amount of calories? Hmm. And this would be enough. Like having that, a goal of so many per day. Yeah. 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 And uh, at that rate, you'd probably lose some weight over time, mm-hmm. but you probably won't feel or, ha- awful. And so I started doing that. Okay. And it was fine. And mm-hmm. I lost weight. And that was the start of it. It certainly wasn't the end because there are all sorts of little things along the way. As a result of feeling like I wanted to do more things, I made more friends at work who in turn supported me. There's Christina Jones, who was a former support human here, mm-hmm. who worked with me on creating fun comparisons for the amount of weight I lost to tweet out. Mm. I believe you mentioned earlier. Like, uh, uh, I've today. lost a small cat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, so I, I have a picture of uh, another support human on my back mm-hmm. that I tweeted out at one point because I lost the equivalent of him, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's yeah. been really fun. and. I have another colleague and friend, Paul Palinkas, who he and his, uh, and his, uh, why can't I think of the word wife? There we go. Yeah. Would, uh, 
talk to me about wearing things that are comfortable that you like that you're feeling you know, mm-hmm. but that's not just for people who are going out to be on the red carpet at the Oscars. That's for everyone. Right. Okay. And being comfortable in your own clothing is a challenge for everyone, mm-hmm. but maybe more so when you're extremely overweight. Right. And so. I imagine options might be somewhat limited too, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so we tried things like going thrifting, but couldn't really find things. And mm. But eventually we went to some stores and found some stores where they carried larger sizes and just went and tried stuff on and saw how things felt. And I gave myself permission to buy some things that I wouldn't normally wear. And it was really fun, mm. you know, things that um, were maybe a little more, I don't know if the word flamboyant is right, but attention getting or uh, I think, I think there are things that I liked. Flashier. Yeah. So, so it could be flashier. It could mm-hmm. be more comfortable. It could be just a different color or I'm a big fan of textures. Actually, it turns out. Okay. So I'm not wearing anything right now. That's very, uh, colorful but mm-hmm. it feels great so i'm oh, happy yeah and some days that's not the case sometimes i'm wearing like bright blue and orange it's mm-hmm. great so lots of little things like that starting to go out more starting to walk and then exercise daily to feel good not to lose weight mm-hmm. uh, that's actually something i realized as i learned more about nutrition and all that that changing what i ate was the thing right exercise helps me be healthy in other ways mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's training for an event. I'm not doing so much activity that's going to outweigh the things I eat every day in any oh, significant sure, way. Yeah. So changing what I ate was the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that I didn't know that eating less would help me lose weight. It's about this whole thing of paying attention to what I, to what I ate and, uh, and seeing how I felt and making sure I still felt okay. Mm-hmm. Like that I could still today go have some tacos, mm-hmm. not worry about it. Not think someone's going to judge me for being a fat dude eating tacos. Not, <laughs> right, yeah. not think, oh no, I'm going to not be healthy anymore if I do this, that kind right. of thing. I was in a race to feel good about myself before I got to a point where I was, saw myself as good enough for other people, mm-hmm. if, that makes, if that makes sense. Part of the key here, it sounds like, is not setting some goal when I weigh X, then I'll be a good person worthy of acceptance and feeling good it's to attain that along the way yeah yeah i mean ideally you have it beforehand right right sure ideally you you understand that you have all of these things to offer the world maybe you have to learn how to feel that way and as you're doing that you're also happen to be losing weight that's right i think that's true that's certainly true for me Mm -hmm. and there's this continuous practice of you know i continue to meditate i continue to try to observe things without judgment that I'm feeling that kind of thing okay. uh, across the board mm-hmm. and uh, keep up with friends, keep trying to be positive with them, which is a funny thing for me to say because I tend to relate in a sort of faux negativity sometimes with people mm-hmm. uh, ribbing or whatever. Oh, sure. Right. Um, which people take as positive, right? That's yeah. a standard human interaction. I think so, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not always saying, Hey Mark, I love thing X about you. Sometimes I'm teasing. Sure, right, and yeah. I just, uh, Occasionally in the past, I would even second guess that. I'd be like, maybe Mark thinks I hate him now. <laughs> you know? But uh, uh-huh. yeah. we, do, we do love his particular, um, is it blue or green? Oh, that's blue. It's, it's blue. Green. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. It's blue to me. It's very well, Seattle. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. That's beautiful hair. I am envious. I, of course, this not being a visual medium, although we I guess there will be a picture. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you can see. Now your hair is long and luscious. Yes. My locks are legendary. I remember being told when I was about 15 by someone at a Supercuts or something, 
wow, you have such thick hair. You're very lucky. Mm -hmm. And then like three years later, my hair started thinning and Mm. and it was gone. Yeah. And that's okay with me. I like that uh, I can swim more efficiently than people with (laughs) long hair. Yeah. Yeah, Mark. Mark can't hardly swim at all with all, with all that. Yeah, That's right. Pretty much can't even go in the water. Race me, Mark. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so at some point along the way, you uh, switched to eating vegetarian as as well as one of the. Changes. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. funny. I, I, yeah, I forgot to mention that one. That's uh, I like that one because Omni. Well, so part of it, I believe, is that our CEO is a vegetarian, but mm-hmm. I I know it goes deeper than that. There, we have this great kitchen where we get a oh, choice. Yeah. We can. Declare ourselves to be vegetarian or meditarian. Mm-hmm. Same with other people in our families, whatever. Uh, so yeah, a couple of years ago now, I was looking for ways to still feel full and all that while eating a little bit less. And I have friends who are vegan and vegetarian and well, if I'm going to do it, this is a relatively easy and supportive environment to do it in. Yeah. Yeah. And so started doing that and, and tasty environment. I mean, oh yeah. Well, I'm not one of the vegetarians here. But I had, I imagine the food is quite good. I had the finest vegetarian, veggie pancake today. These oh, yeah. like, I'm going to call them a hippie pancake. I don't think that's derogatory. Sure. They're these amazing things that are made with, you know, shredded carrot and whatever, and parsnip and mm. spices and stuff. And, uh, I, yes, we are blessed. Yes. Yeah. And pickled jalapenos. Oh yeah. Are totally on the table. That's right. And, yeah. So. That's right. That hot dog yesterday was not a real hot dog, but right. the pickled jalapenos definitely were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that served me really well, actually. And I've, I noticed that my blood sugar was doing really well up until that point, but it just dropped to normal levels after I made that switch. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. I think I can mostly attribute that to eating more salad and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, you still um, still do tiki drinks on occasion, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, it's... It's probably once a week that I'll make a drink and uh-huh. relax or I'll go somewhere with folks. Uh, one of the local places like Rumba or uh, Hotel mm-hmm. Albatross or there's a place in, in Tacoma that I think has been mentioned before. Uh, oh, sure. Devil's Reef. It's a phenomenal a whole location. episode on the subject. That's right. We'll put in the show notes. Oh, that's right. I've, I've been on this show before. Yes, you have. Yeah. What? <laughs> I Welcome back to the show, Evan. Thank you. I'll tend to like have some limes on hand, ready to go. Also for, vegetarian uh, limes. That's right. Turns out you can do that with uh, tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. There's not much like butter or something. <laughs> in a, not not a lot of ground beef. Ground beef yeah. inside the four dots Boy, the dash. We've we've veered straight into potentially gross territory. <laughs> we really have. <laughs> well, on behalf of, I think I'm speaking on behalf of all our, our listeners when I say congratulations, man, losing 235 pounds and being more mindful and, and dealing with anxiety and finding ways to live a large life. That's huge. Congratulations. That really Thank you. is awesome. Thank you. Now, if only you could have done that and kept your hair, but oh well. I don't regret that. All right. Well, it's part of the weight you lost, I guess. Those That's right. Long, luscious locks must oh, have man. weighed 30, 40 pounds. I, at least. I will uh, see if I can dig up a picture. All right. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Could we use it for the show? Oh, yeah. All right. That'd be awesome. So I'm given to understand that uh, when you're not here, you do a little software writing yourself. Tell me about that. That's true. I do have occasional projects that come up. Oh, I wonder what it's like to do thing X. Mm -hmm. But the one that's stuck is called Smile All Day. Smile All Day. And it came about because someone who I can't attribute because I don't remember who it was. Mm. It was me. Uh, Okay. Then it was you. 
and was complaining about how they knew that Amazon would let them contribute to charities by going to smile.amazon.com, but they would often forget to go to that subdomain or they would be sent a link by someone and they would just follow that link and it would be a referrer link, which didn't go to the right place. Really so sounds would, like Jim Korea, actually. It, <laughs> I, I think it might've been William Van Hecke, mm, all but right. uh, it's just a guess. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't remember anyway. So I thought, you know, this is web technology. I know how extensions are made in some general sense, mm-hmm. JavaScript messing with things. And so I will uh, oh, like a browser extension. Exactly. Yeah. And so I know how to solve this for this guy, I think. Mm-hmm. So I went and looked up how to make uh, browser extensions for Safari, which is the browser he used and I used and made a website to distribute it from and did all the things that Apple said I should do and mm-hmm. distributed one. And it was a little bit buggy at first uh, because Amazon has a bunch of subdomains and other little things in their URLs that will, Mm. Uh, make it so that if you just kind of swap out www for smile, it won't be very happy. Ah, You'll get in redirect loops. You'll have all sorts of problems. Mm. But over that first uh, couple months, I got it all figured out and set about to uh, maintaining it, making sure it still worked in new versions of the OS. Then Apple announced that Safari extensions would be hosted in Mac apps as uh, app extensions. Right. And that in the future, perhaps that was the only way they were going to do it. So I said, well, now's as good a time as any. I haven't made a Mac app in a really long time, and I've never made one that I gave to anyone else. Mm. So I went and learned how to make a Mac app. We, I'm in a really good place for that. Yeah, that's true. And I was able to lean on some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're credited in the About box. Cool. I even got some art from Jim Korea. No. Oh. Listeners, you can't see my face, but it's not good. Oh, that is a, <laughs> that is a genuine cringe. That yeah. is not a muggin' cringe. That yeah. is real. Yeah. That guy loves using Acorn. And uh, Acorn's awesome. It's not Acorn's fault. No, it's not. I, you're right. You're right. I should not have said that that way. What I mean to say is he has the freedom to use Acorn. Yes, he does. And thus yeah. he inflicts art on the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, lots of crowns. In this case, it was, yeah, a, it was an icon, which is great. I'm using mm-hmm. it in the about box still. <laughs> anyway, so I made this Mac app to host it. And yeah, it turned out that the, a year later, Apple made it so that uh, Safari extensions outside the app store were no longer a thing. Okay. But you were ready. You had the yeah. Mac app. And I was able to, to learn a lot about how Mac apps work mm-hmm. that I didn't know before. And it doesn't just host that. It has a little onboarding experience and stuff for people who haven't mm-hmm. ever had the extension before. It's got a migration path for the old extension. It'll, wow. Yeah, you you're know, doing all that the up things. For you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've got a healthy respect for developers of apps who do a good job of taking care of details like that. And yeah, so I definitely right. want to take that care, too, even with something that I feel like, while it's helping people in a way, it's not as important, maybe. Well, you know, the Mac platform has always been all about taking care of those small details and, you know, taking care of the users, doing things right. So I'm glad to hear that, that you did that even on your free side project and yeah. everything. But I, yeah. <laughs> well, it's taken time, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's all right. I've been on the side working on a single app release for five years. So, that's true. Yeah, I know what, I know what it takes. Yeah. Say, did, uh, did Jim design your icon? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that icon, actually. Yeah, well, we still have the icon um, when the app had a different name. Mm-hmm. So we'll get a new icon before we ship. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was it was called Evergreen, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's a picture of an evergreen tree. Mm. And it's going to be something else. I actually made my apps icon. Yeah? Yeah. It's a circle mm-hmm. with a smiling face in it. And uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I believe it. Jim didn't make it. So. No, that's yeah. right. That's how you know. Jim Korea is otherwise right. 
So we've established that. Yeah, I I stand by that answer. Okay. All right. That pretty much wraps it up. That's all I got in my show notes. Thanks, Evan. How can people find you on the web? Well, uh, I think there are two good ways right now. I'm an infrequent but high-quality tweeter, I'm told. All right. That's so cool. So you could find me at The Evan Show on mm-hmm. there. And I have a website, which at this point, I believe, just links to my Twitter and smile all day, mm-hmm. uh, which is evanm.net. Evanm.net. I like it. It's short. Thanks. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. <laughs>